What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on Fox Sports' app. The app. YouTube, if that's where you're watching or listening. Wherever it is you get your podcast. For those of you that are watching, you can understand this is not the normal setup. This is real bust down. And quite frankly, harkening back to the earlier days of the YouTube channel, for those of y'all that remember, I'd be in New York on my book tour still doing this sort of stuff. And maybe... I have a chance to do that again here very recently, but I am in Birmingham, and when you're watching this, it will have been the first day of the USFL draft, for which I am covering, and we will probably talk quite a bit about the USFL draft in next week's show, and USFL as we approach April 16th, when the first game of the season kicks off, all the way through the 10-week season, finishing around July 4th with a championship. I got so so many takes about this and so much information to download to you. But today, I want to talk with you about the news that happened on Friday. You'll note that the college football playoff decided they were not going to expand. Or as I wrote on FoxSports.com, rather than be like Eric B or Rakim rocking the mic to get paid in full, the 11, that is the 11 folks that you know are responsible for recommending such things like expanding a playoff and then the CFP board of managers who would have to approve such a recommendation decided to stand pat and they're going to finish the 12th year agreement through 2025. We're going to stay at four teams for the college football playoff. And this kind of sucks, right? Because we all were salivating over an expanded playoff. Matter of fact, so was the college football playoff selection committee, quite honestly, because look, they gave us a 12-team format back in June of 2021 that it felt like we were going to get approved by September of last year, and that got put off, and it got put off again, and it finally got nailed in the coffin this past weekend to my just ever-loving chagrin. Like, I was very excited about this, and I'm also mad about it. And the reason I'm mad about it is because you had an opportunity to make the sport more profound, right? You had an opportunity not to make it more competitive. That's not what I'm after. I'm going to get to that in here in a little bit because we're going to talk a little bit later on about the teams that I think have the best opportunity to make the college football playoff who haven't made the college football playoff. But that's tricky because, as I'm going to demonstrate to you, it's been more difficult to make the college football playoff than it has been to play in a BCS game, let alone the BCS title game, which is the real reason that we were here in the first place talking about the college football playoff And we're excited about it back in 2014 when we got started doing this. But the other thing to keep in mind here is that because the earliest that we could see expansion is 2027, we're also going to be thinking about what this can look like by 2027. But I also need to say in here, according to SI, The Athletic, you had a vote of 8 to 3, right? And you needed a unanimous vote from the CFP's board of managers who got their recommendations from the CFP's, well, not board of managers, but management committee, so many different terms. Management committee is basically made up of your 10 FBS commissioners plus Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame because Notre Dame's always got to show us that they are Notre Dame because they won't just go ahead and marry into a conference. Instead, they're going to stay in this open marriage with the ACC, and I'm going to keep giving them the business about it because you're no better than the rest of us. That's kind of my point with the college football playoff in general. Then the CFP board of managers has 11 presidents and chancellors on it that ultimately approve whatever decisions that the CFP's management committee 
decides on, right? But with those eight to three, you also had three very loud people saying, hey, look, we don't particularly think this is a bad or a good thing that we're not expanding. Bob Bowlesby wanted to expand. He'd been loud about that, right? We even had George Klyevkov, who's the newest Power Five commissioner to join up, say, hey, look, I wanted to expand. He just got here. He's also coming from Vegas, which gives him a little bit more of a perspective, knowing what gambling is doing to the sport and in other sports and what it would be like if you could have a 12-team playoff, what, how much more money you could make. And that's kind of the other part about this that is really, really infuriating to me. They left $450 million on the table. Put another way, they left Patrick Mahomes' contract at Kansas City on the table. Put even another way, they left half a billion dollars on the table. Now, if you are one of these Power Five conferences, perhaps you're not looking at this thing going, you know what, I'd like to eat some more. No, you're probably looking at it going, you're full. But I'm not, right? I'm a member of the college football proletariat, right? I really want to see more football. I don't get anything out of being an Alabama fan or an Ohio State fan or even a Clemson fan. I get a lot out of just watching what the sport looks like when Cincinnati is able to up and get into this very exclusive club that is the college football playoff. I'm not going to tell you that Cincinnati has an opportunity to win that, but when you can put more teams into the playoff, you give folks more of an opportunity to participate. And I'm still surrounded by a bunch of folks that would rather have this closed off society, this closed club, then open it up to the masses. And that, for me, is uniquely un-American. Like, quite honestly, man, it's about the melting pot. We got 130 teams in FBS. Only 13 of them had made the college football playoff. And it doesn't feel like we're going to get into a position where we're going to see more, right? So, again, 10% of 130 teams have made the playoff. Now, if you're Harvard, that's twice your acceptance rate at 5%. But the way I like to look at this is the Naval Academy admits 9% of its applicants. That, that means that the college football playoff has been as selective as the United States Naval Academy. I don't think that's the way that you want to do this. I don't think that's the way you should draw this up, especially as we're getting to this place where we're even more connected than we used to be, right? To say nothing of, we wanted to take this whole thing out of the hands of individual voters and put it back on the scoreboard for the teams to decide. You know, half a century ago, it was a bunch of folks that were quote-unquote journalists voting for Notre Dame who won national championships. Like, that's, that's how you went about this. We've gotten progressively better, right? We got the Bowl Alliance. Then we got the BCS. Now we're at the playoff. And we had an opportunity to leap ahead once again, but we chose to be conservative rather than progressive. And that just sucks, right? So now I'm going to list for you the teams that have won the college football playoff national championship. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, and Ohio State. Okay? Just four teams, though, make up 21 of the 32 possible appearances by any team since the first ever college football playoff game. Okay? Those four teams are Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. Okay? 
Another way to look at this is 65% of the college football playoff for the past eight years is made up of just 4% of college football. 4%. It's as if the rest of it doesn't even matter. And I refuse to believe that, right? I choose to believe that Cincy having a magic season matters, that Central Florida having a magic season matters, that if your team, say it be Fresno State, right, who was pretty doggone good last year, or Utah State, or San Diego State, puts together an unblemished regular season, I think you should have an opportunity to showcase, right? Forget talking about the playoff as this thing that decides a national champion, though it's what I like, right? I want to know you are the best of the best with honors, sir. But I also want this to act as a showcase for the team's that have done something really cool. And that's what the NCAA men's basketball tournament, NCAA women's basketball tournament does very well. Same thing with the Women's College World Series, quite honestly, right? You have this extended, long tournament that everybody gets to participate in, and you make a decentralized sport a centralized sport. You give us all one collective event to come together with. And that's what everybody keeps telling me they want, right? They want to see us being with each other having fun with each other. And I submit to you, there's something fun to me about perhaps watching Ohio State play Cincinnati, even if Ohio State beat Cincinnati 42-7, to which I think is a thing that happened like three years ago. It's still fun, and that's what we want, because Cincinnati gets to say, hey, we made the playoff, and we made the playoff by having a spectacular season, not by going 6-6 six and six and making a bowl game. Because those are the folks that are actually winning when we talk about what standing pat means means the bowl committees get to keep what they got, right? They don't have to incorporate into this 12-team format, but it's coming sooner rather than later. And I understand that the CFP's management committee, as long as well as its board of managers, are not excited, right, about trying to expand the playoff while trying to wrap their hands around name, image, and likeness. And like I talked about last week and, and written on FoxSports.com, they're probably going to have to deal with universities paying, treating their college athletes like employees because, well, this is America and we have labor laws. That's what this is for. We're also going to have unions. That's what this is for, right? But right now we're at four, we're at war with four, thanks to what I have called cheekily the 11, you know, because 10 conference commissioners plus Notre Dame 11. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like the Supreme Court, the nine. You understand. You're keeping up. But to that end, now that we know that we're at four for the next four years, I thought it would be fun to talk about which teams quite possibly could make the college football playoff who haven't. And then do a special we out your bit where I get to hear from you who you think could make the college football playoff who hasn't already. So, I've called this segment Club CFP, okay, because that's what it is. It's an exclusive club. I mentioned of 130 teams, just 13 have made the playoff, but in the champagne room, right, where the VIPs be at, we got the 21 of 32. So Alabama's made seven appearances. Clemson's made six. Ohio State's made four. Oklahoma's made four, right? Again, those four teams make up 65% of participation, all the dancing that's going on at Club CFP. All right. Now, how does this compare to the Bowl Championship Series? It's a question I asked, and 
I found an answer for it just by doing the research, just going through it, you know, doing the work of a sports talk show host. From 1998 to 2014, 10 different programs played in the BCS National Championship game, and no team made more than three appearances. Let me say that again. We had 10 teams play in the BCS National Championship team, uh, game, and we had no team make more than three appearances in 16 years. By the way, Alabama made all three of those appearances, and Alabama has already won three college football playoff national championships. It felt like the playoff was supposed to make the BCS better, and instead, it's been more constricting than the BCS. For those of y'all that are already talking about we should go back to the BCS, no. The way to go forward is not to go back, okay? That doesn't work. We don't go back and say we went forward, okay? We know what the BCS does. We know what the 14 playoff does. Let's see what a 12 or 16 team playoff. I keep saying 16 because that's my number, but it feels like we're going to land on 12 because that's what the folks in charge get to say. All right, so I got basically three categories of teams that I think can make the college football playoff who haven't already. The first one is the one that I am calling next in line at the door or most likely teams to make the CFP by 2026. These teams, again, waiting on someone to lead the club because it's at maximum occupancy. Okay? Maybe that's Clemson. Perhaps it's Oklahoma. More likely. But it ain't going to be Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is where we're at right now. So at the top of the list, many of you have already noted this, and I think it's really their time. Texas A&M. A&M is perhaps the only program in the country built to join this exclusive club in 2022 despite having not won a conference title this century and having not won a national championship since world war ii okay their last conference championships 1998 their last national championship is 1939 i made all the jokes about ampersand U, and then they got it together in a big way not just with this 2022 recruiting class which is the best all time which had Jimbo Fisher out here denouncing everybody from Jack Swarbick to sliced bread, (laughs) which was a great press conference, and we need more of them. But even before that, because Jimbo Fisher became the first former Nick Saban assistant to beat Nick Saban, and he did it with a backup quarterback in Zach Calzada, who since transferred to Auburn, doesn't matter. Jimbo Fisher traded up like you do in Texas to... Max Johnson, who had started at LSU and famously beat Florida as a true freshman. Also in there, you know, I got to add this. Fisher was able to beat Nick Saban on his 56th birthday. That's pretty cool for him. And I also need to add in here, he was able to bounce back with some staff changes that I didn't expect him to be able to do. Like with Mike Elko becoming the new defense, or excuse me, the defense coordinator, Mike Elko, becoming the new head coach at Duke. We got to see DJ Durkin leave Ole Miss to come to A&M. I don't think that having Jerry Schmidt leave you is ever good for anybody. I'm glad he's at Oklahoma, obviously, but we'll see how they bounce back with their strength and condition and their winter training come spring ball, okay? But that defeat of Alabama really put A&M on this path, and then they followed up with this recruiting class. It's all there for them, but the SEC West is still the SEC West, and they have never won it. Now, second team on this list is Utah. Uh, perhaps the most overlooked Pac-12 champion in the history of the Pac-12 as far as I'm concerned, with the most underrated coach in the sport in Kyle Whittingham. Again, you talk about the YouTube, if they win 11 games, 
and lose just one or two and win the Pac-12 championship, they're probably getting in. With one loss in a Pac-12 championship, I got to see them getting in, right? Unless you got an undefeated Big 12 champ, you got an undefeated ACC champ, you got an undefeated SEC champ, and you got an undefeated Big 10 champ, then of course, but it hasn't turned out that way. All Utah's got to do is hold its water. And it feels like it can do that with the change in head coach at Oregon and at USC, the two places where I expect them to run into the most resistance. And then, you know, Arizona State, who I thought might have something together, has Jaden Daniels going to the portal along with the NCAA investigation into recruiting. It's falling apart over there. We'll see if they're able to put it together in time for the season to kick off. But also, this is a Utah team that took a really great Ohio State team to the brink. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba had the best receiving game in history by a wide receiver, and Utah still had a shot to win that thing at the end. They got Cam Rising coming back. I think they're going to be okay. Okay, number three on this list for me is Baylor. Dave Aranda's Bears performed the greatest year to, yeah, greatest year to year flip since, well, Central Florida, right? Who went from 0 and 12 with George O'Leary in 2015 to Scott Frost flipping him into 13 0 in 2017 national champion. Yeah, I said it. But the Bears, after winning just two games in 2020, won the Big 12 championship, won a Sugar Bowl, and marked the first 12 win season in their school history. Dave Aranda signed a contract that Puts him there, it feels like forever. I think it's actually through like 2029, 2026, somewhere in there last week. I love Dave Aranda. He's got a master's in philosophy, and you can see him coming through in that way. That defense is really great. The change in coordinator Jeff Grimes seemed to put them over the top. I think Blake Schappen is going to be a really, really great quarterback in the Big 12, and I'm excited to see what they look like. All right, next team on this list gets into my second bracket here which is asking a friend to say he's with me or likely teams to make the college football playoff by 2026. These teams are much more likely to come through the front door because they know somebody. They're right there if things break for them. Top of this list, number four on the list as a whole, USC. Okay. It's kind of controversial, but let me walk through it. Athletic director Mike Bone hired exactly who he wanted to in Lincoln Riley expressly for the purpose of getting USC to the college football playoff. Now, we can make jokes, and we will continue to make jokes, about Oklahoma being the team with the most appearances in the college football playoff without a win at four. But we also need to add, as I hit my microphone again, that Lincoln Riley was able to get Oklahoma to the college football playoff, which is the exercise here, okay? The exercise is not winning a college football playoff game. The exercise is getting to a college football playoff game. And he's been able to do that. Now, we'll see what it looks like. But, you know, I got to say this. Kirby Smart's been to the college football playoff twice. He's 3-1. and one. Lincoln Riley's 0-4. Like I said, we'll get our jokes in. But you got to also understand Caleb Williams gets – gets it together, and they put together a run game like I think they can. Relique Brown's going to be a stud back there. They're able to throw the ball. And then if Alex Grinch can actually do something with that defense, you could probably win the Pac-12 championship the way that you won the Big 12 championship at Oklahoma during Lincoln Riley. You put up 50, and you beat people 50 to 49, right? I'm, I'm being facetious here, but you get what I'm saying. You don't have to have a great and outstanding defense to win 
any conference championship. You just got to outscore people. Now, if you want to go win national championships, you got to be able to stop people. But again, that's not the exercise. The exercise is getting to the college football playoff. And I put them four because I think they're the fourth best team who hasn't made it yet. Okay? I put the other three ahead of them for reasons that I stated. Okay. Number five on this list for me is Wisconsin. No team has appeared in more Big Ten championship games than the Badgers, who are tied with Ohio State with six total Of course, Wisconsin has won just two Big Ten titles since its inception, 2011, and not a single one since 2012. Means we've yet to see Wisconsin win the B1G in the CFP era, and that is obviously a prerequisite for receiving an invitation to the college football playoff. Okay, now, until the Big Ten champion decides to do right by itself, which is (coughs) drop divisions, that means that they're going to have to get past Iowa. That means they're going to have to get past Purdue, Minnesota, whatnot, and then probably Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, somewhere in there, Michigan State, if they're having a great year. I think perhaps, maybe, I'm sure this is the hope for Badgers fans, Bobby Ingram can do something with Graham Mertz because that's what it's going to be. Because as much as Wisconsin fans would like to believe they can hand the ball to Braylon Allen 40 times a game and ride that to a Big Ten championship. That ain't the way it's going to go, man. And look, Braylon Allen is that dude. We all know it. 1,268 yards on 186 rushes, including 29 for 159 against Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl. But you're going to need Graham Mertz or a quarterback to make a play for you. This is why Wisconsin fans were so excited that Caleb Williams even breathed in the direction of Madison because they know they're a quarterback away and they let Jack Cohen walk. (laughs) Never going to let that go. All right, number six on this list is Iowa. All right, Iowa has never felt like the kind of program that is knocking on the door of club CFP demanding entry. And that's in part because head coach Kirk Ferentz doesn't think that's a reasonable way to – measure success in his program, and he said so. As a matter of fact, this is a quote from The Athletic last summer. It's been fascinating on one hand, but my concern is, like, if you don't end up in the Final Four, you're basically chopped liver. I think college football is a lot more than that. I'm the older guy. I'm an idealist in some ways. There's a lot of really good stories in college football, and they tend to get minimized a little bit because of the CFP. And you know what? He's not wrong. But if your program's ethos is not winning national championships, it's hard for observers outside of your program, a la me, to say that Iowa needs to be in the college football playoff if that ain't what you want to be. They felt like they were just going to be fine having an opportunity to win the Big Ten championship last year. And if they didn't get to play in the college football playoff, and they wouldn't have, they'd have been okay with that. It's hard for me to say that you need to be here or that this is a thing that you desire if, quite frankly, you don't. Right, They're content to be Iowa, and there's nothing wrong with being Iowa, but it is difficult for me to say that you're going to make the college football playoff, even though Iowa has been one of the great, good to great, good to great programs of the last two decades. Okay, last category on this list, trying to sneak through the kitchen exit, or somewhat likely teams to make the college football playoff by 2026. These are the teams who could find themselves walking onto the dance floor out of sheer luck 
and or bravado because they had it to walk through the kitchen door like they own the joint. Again, pie in the sky, but you can see the tools are there, right? I'm not putting Hawaii on this list, for instance, right? It, 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 ain't, it ain't happening for Hawaii. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to all three of the Rainbow Warrior fans out there, but the team that I have at the top of the list on this segment and number seven overall is Oklahoma State, right? It makes a lot of sense. Perhaps the only program in the country where overachieving is a way of life. OSU has continuously done more with less and been quite proud of it, quite honestly, right? Mike Gundy has never stumped for inclusion in the college football playoff. And Polk fans seem just fine with competing for Big 12 championships while a retroactive national championship hangs in Boone Pickens Stadium. For those of y'all that do not know, I have to just put you on game. and ain't to shade Oklahoma State, although it's going to act that way, and I understand if you want to take it that way. Inside of Boone Pickens Stadium, there is a banner that says 1945 National Champion. Now, those of you who are college football historians probably know Army is mostly cited not just as the 1945 National Champs, but that 1945 team being one of the greatest college football teams of all time. And I believe that this Oklahoma State squad had like three losses, right? But they were retroactively awarded a national championship by the AFCA a couple years ago, about four, not a couple, about five years ago, when they went through the motions of just going to see who had an opportunity to claim one that probably got overlooked or passed over. And this didn't feel right. And then they put it inside the stadium and now a joke. But all to say, they have an opportunity to make it not a joke, right? We saw this in 2021. They had a great season, and they fell quite literally six inches short of a Big 12 championship and possibly being included into the college football playoff last year. Gundy's been on a tear for 16 years. I mean, they've won 10 games seven times in those 16 years, never suffering a losing season with him as a head coach that is remarkable I mean Mike Tomlin the Pittsburgh Steelers comes to mind probably the only time I'm ever going to put Mike Gundy and Mike Tomlin in the same sentence so 2022 is doing something new to all of us but the thing that I think I'm going to speak for me because Oklahoma fans are probably going to get pissed about this they already feel some kind of way about me continuing to claim Oklahoma but if Oklahoma State had the talent that Oklahoma had or has say past 15 years, they'd probably be just as good. And that should scare you if you're an Oklahoma fan. Does me, right? The idea that Mike Gundy somehow decides to start recruiting like a top five program. Yeah, that'd be tough. That might tip the balance of power. There, I said it. Go ahead, flame me, Oklahoma fans. All right, number eight overall on this list is Florida. Look, Like USC, Florida was a power in the late 2000s. Urban Meyer combined generational coaching talent and recruiting acumen with legitimate stars to, you know, win national championship 2006-2008. Den Mullen had him close in 2020, came off the rails in the SEC championship game, but they were close, and you always know that Florida's going to have an opportunity. The reason they're so much lower on this list than some is Billy Napier's in year one. They're somewhat rebuilding, but we'll see how that goes. Plus, that's still Georgia's division as far as I'm concerned. But Napier is a Saban acolyte. 
Feels like he's building his program a lot like him, but he wouldn't be the first Saban acolyte to try to do that. The bet that I'm making here is on Florida's culture, quite honestly. And then next on this list, yes, we finally get to Texas. All right? Texas is back. Well, they would be with a CFP invitation. You know what I'm saying here? Like, it's 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 there. Like, it's the easiest joke in college football to make the Texas is back joke. All right? But it kind of sucks because since the 2009 BCS National Championship, they haven't been – very good. They've been mediocre. They've actually been bad in some cases. They've won 10 games just one time since 2009. And they needed 14 games to do it, right? That's that 2018 squad. They've enjoyed one more winning season since 2009 than they have losing seasons. Six and five. Like, ugh. They've also been through three head coaches during that period, right? Mac Brown, Charlie Strong, Tom Herman. Steve Sarkeesian, right? It's just, uh, well, that's four. <laughs> Golly, man. But the reason Texas could be here is recruiting and coaching. They have the number one or former number one overall recruit in the 2022 class before you reclassified, become the number one overall recruit in the 2021 class. Quinn Ewers, right? Transferred in. Bijan Robinson is a Heisman candidate, right? Xavier Worthy might be the best wide receiver in the Big 12. They also added Isaiah Nair from Wyoming, who had 44 catches for like 878 yards or like 13 TDs, right? They, they've added dude, Jaleel Billingsley, who I really love, former Alabama tight end, comes in, and people are like, so what's the big deal? The big deal is Nick Saban let a tight end named Jaleel Billingsley return kicks in a national championship game. You show me another tight end that's returning kicks at Alabama. That's the big deal, Right? And Steve Sarkeesian knows what he's got over there. It's about Pete Kukowski and that defense, right? It's always about defense in these cases. But you got to get past Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor if you're Texas, right? That That's not going to be easy for them. But they could certainly be there. You added wide receiver coach in Brendan Marion, right, uh, who helped Jordan Addison win the Bolitnikoff Award at Pittsburgh last year. Again, you got dudes. You could put up 50 a game with this offense. It's just – can you stop other people from scoring 50? And then next on this list, I'm going to get shade for this, but I don't care. Nebraska. That's right. I said it. Nebraska. Look, I'm going to lay this out for you. I'm, I'm Nebraska fans. I'm not toying with you. I believe this. It's Scott Frost, who I believe in. I know it ain't been going well, but – you got the dubious honor of being the best three-win team in the history of college football last year. You were in every game. You had Scott Frost remake the entire offensive staff, and it's kind of staggeringly good. Former Pittsburgh OC Mark Whipple, who had the Heisman finalist in Kenny Pickett, probably first-round draft pick at quarterback, along with Jordan Addison, who I mentioned. You also added Mickey Joseph from LSU, who put together – one of the best, if not the best, wide receiving core in the history of the sport. Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Ter- Justin Jefferson. Those are all his dudes. He's at Nebraska now. You add Brian Applewhite, who was at Texas Christian last year. Coach Zach Evans for two years. The dude at Ole Miss, who also averaged better than seven yards per carry. Okay? Zach Evans is basically rushed for 1,000 yards on 146 carries. Okay? You're also adding pretty doggone good Quarterback, as far as I'm concerned, I like Casey Thompson. I've always liked Casey Thompson. I got shade 
for having him and Bijan Robinson as one of my tandems in the preseason last year. And they were like, huh, RJ, he didn't even start. Did he finish? Uh-huh. You also add Chuba Purdy from Florida, Florida State. Yes, his brother is Block Purdy. I think he's going to be good at quarterback. I think he got the tools here. O'Shawn Mathis is going to join up in the summer. Dude had like 16 and a half tackles for loss. Like, ridiculous. If it comes together, Trey Palmer wide receiver. If it comes together, it's coming together in a big way. The other bet I'm baking in here is absolutely on culture. Nebraska is one of the best college football programs of all time. Okay? As a matter of fact, I wrote this down, and I want to make sure I say this right. From 1962 to 2003, Nebraska never suffered a losing season and won at least nine games back when we played 10 or 11 tops in every season except 67, 68, and 2002. That is a 40-year stretch of excellence, okay? And they also have this really impressive streak of like 60-plus years of sellouts. Now they needed donors to pony up last season because they weren't filling up the stadium because, well, the product wasn't very good. But they look good. They look like they got it together. And it's, it's Lincoln, right? I got this place in my heart for the Oklahomas and the Nebraskas of the world. The reason is those are the pro teams. Like in Oklahoma, yeah, we yeah we got the Thunder. But ask people what they're doing on Saturdays if the Thunder are playing. Go ahead, ask them. Nebraska ain't even got to deal with that. It is absolutely Nebraska football. You get the College World Series, you know, in the offseason during the summer. But come July, they know what time it is. Now, they've always felt a little out of sync in the Big Ten. I think that's contributed to just how difficult it has been. It's just the culture shock. They're still getting used to it. They still don't really know who their rival is. Like some of the kids, when I asked them last year, were saying Iowa. Others of them are just kind of looking around like, what am I supposed to say here? Is it Oklahoma? Is it Texas? I think that's coming to an end very soon. But they need – they got to get bowl eligible first. I, I recognize that. Okay, next team on this list for me is Penn State. Okay. Maybe no team has been crushed more by Ohio State than Penn State. In the last 10 years, I mean, Penn State, Lord bless them, they didn't have a conference, and then they picked the Big Ten. And Ohio State was like, oh, really? Us? You're going to pick us? And then you had these divisions. And they're in a division, not just with Ohio State, but also with Michigan. And they got the land grant with Michigan State. Maryland is good enough to beat them from time to time. Like, it's just not, it's not an easy place to play football right now. And despite all of that, they won a Big Ten championship in 2008 and in 2016. 2016, they were forced to take a Rose Bowl bid. Just didn't make the playoff. So with James Franklin there, they're making a bet, got the 10-year extension. They've been able to play solid defense. They've been able to recruit really well. Mike Parsons, Saquon Barkley. We'll see what it looks like, right? I, I think they can get here. As a matter of fact, they might get there before Nebraska. And then finally, the end of all of this. For me, it's Miami. Hurricanes hit the reset button again, 22 coaching cycle. They decided to go get Mario Cristobal from Oregon, who went to the U, who understands the U, who was there during their glory years. And they've got a low-key all-star staff, starting with their coordinators, right? Kevin Steele, respected defensive coordinator in the SEC. And then 2021 Royals Award winner, Michigan offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis. 
and Wolverines, you know, with him as the offense coordinator, win their first Big Ten championship since the Bush administration. W, not H, in case you want to get cute. And their first ever invitation to the CFP. So I'm betting that magic travels, right? Josh Gaddis is great at Alabama. He's good at Michigan. I think he could be great at Miami as long as they do the U. And what I mean by do the U is, yo, man, Broward, Dade, rope off South Florida. That's yours. You can't be letting Lamar Jackson leave South Florida. That can't happen. Amari Cooper can't leave South Florida. That can't happen. So I'm saying, if you can put the fence around it the way that Howard Schnellenberger was able to put the fence around it, the way that Jimmy Johnson was able to put the fence around it, the way that Dennis Erickson was able to just keep it together, and the way that Larry Coker just kind of looked around and said, man, I got Ed Reed. I got Clint Portis. I got Willis McGahee. I got Ken Dorsey. Why don't I just let them dudes do what they do, right? I think Mario Cristobal understands all of that and then get it back to going. Okay, now I want to hear from y'all. And for that, I'm going to bring in Producer Cat. Now it is time for a, another edition of We Out You. And I'm going to bring in Producer Cat after I read this question that I gave to you all, where we got lots of responses. Who is the most likely to make the college football playoff before 2027? Who hasn't already? Okay. Now, uh, apparently, Producer Cat found four, and I can't wait to hear who they are. Producer Cat, what are the four? Hello, RJ. Um, I just want to say before I get into these four, that most of the responses to your tweet were teams that you already picked. So they were teams mm. that you already went through in your list. A lot of Texas A&Ms, a lot of Utahs, a lot of USC's. So I tried to pick ones that were not already included in your list. So let me just say that before oh. I read these. Um, so I'm going to start with this one. It's from Dr. Fun. He says, but maybe UCLA or Oregon, the Pac-12 has to get in eventually, right? You know, those are both possibilities because they're Pac-12 teams and they're not super sorry Pac-12 teams, right? Now, Oregon is interesting because Oregon feels like they should have already done this and accomplished this feat, uh, specifically last year, because with that win over Ohio State at the shoe, they were set up to do it and then just couldn't keep it together. But the change in head coach, we'll see how that goes. They bet on Dan Lanning. They bet on recruiting. We'll see. How, I just, I just want to see it, right? You had a generational talent in Kayvon Thibodeau. You had a generational talent in Justin Herbert. It hasn't worked out just yet. UCLA, I got a little bit harder time just seeing it happen because I felt like if UCLA was going to pull it off with Chip Kelly, they would have already done it. But, you know, we'll see where it goes. I, I can't say I hate the picks, though, especially as I'm the dude that also put Nebraska on this list. Fair? <laughs> That's yeah, that's fair. Here's my okay. next one. Here's my next one. Uh, this is from Josh Harmon calling it now. And you can call me a crazy fan, but if Tennessee can keep gaining momentum, it'll be at Vol football. I'm not going to call you crazy. I, I look Josh. Number one. Thank you for this. Number two, producer cat had the wherewithal to pull this one out of the pile. So I'm just lay this out offline. I'm constantly telling producer Cat, I like her balls. I've liked her balls for the past year. I like Josh Heupel. I like the offense they run. 
I put Hendon Hooker on my list of, you know, long shots to win the Heisman Trophy or contenders that nobody's really thinking about. It can happen. Like, you got enough of the fan base. You got enough tradition. We understand what Tennessee is capable of. I just don't know when Phil Former's going to be right about the balls being back and when they're going to be taking a bite out of anything at all. But I like it. I like it. I'd love to see Smokey give Alabama the business. I'd love to see Smokey give it to Georgia. You just got to get a little bit better. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. Again, I put Nebraska on this list. I like Tennessee. Yeah, I think Tennessee is similar to Nebraska in a way that Tennessee football is sports. Like it is, that is the, that is what everyone looks forward to. So they are similar in that way. And they're also, also not very likely of making it in, in my humble opinion. Um, here's, here was an interesting one. And this guy gave us three teams. Um, our, our friend Woo Pig. I wonder who he is a fan of, said Arkansas, Ole Miss, and he also said Tennessee. But I thought the first two that he mentioned were interesting. Well, again, uh, nobody's crazy to shout Tennessee again. I put Nebraska on it. I didn't include Ole Miss and Arkansas on my list of 12. And the reason is the tradition part of this conversation. Like, I can point to Nebraska, and I can show you national championships. I can show you Heisman Trophy winners. I can show you a consistency in every decade, save the last one, in which they have been good in the case of Nebraska, and Arkansas is able to pull it out there in the end, right? They started uh, really well in 2011 to make sure they got covered <laughs> through the rest of that decade, and then 2021, they had their best season since 2011. Now, the problem with this is Arkansas has only won one national championship, and that was like 60 years ago. But everybody knows that I'm a Sam Pittman dude. You're also playing the SEC West. And A&M is already right there. Now, I know Arkansas beat A&M, and it's still possible. But can Arkansas keep that level of competition up for the rest of the season? They haven't yet. And Ole Miss, same difference, right? I think Ole Miss-Arkansas is going to be an outstanding rivalry with Lane Kiffin and Sam Pittman. Just like we saw the game last year was outstanding. It's one of the best games of the season. I just got a hard time seeing Ole Miss and or Arkansas getting past Alabama and him this year. And LSU is always going to be there because they've got that recruiting base. And we know that, if nothing else, Brian Kelly knows how to build a team that can make the playoff. And one of the ways you're going to have to do that is winning the SEC West. It's just a loaded division. That's the problem with it. And that's why it's easier for me to see Tennessee over coming over top of Florida and Georgia than it is for me to see Ole Miss, Arkansas coming over the top of Alabama and LSU with any level of consistency. And then again, A&M. And by the way, next year, Oklahoma and Texas are going to be somewhere in this. And while they're not Alabama, right, they're good. You know, they're decent. They're good enough to give you a game. But no, like, I, I, it wouldn't shock me. But again, I just didn't put them on the list because they lack – the same sort of pedigree that a Tennessee, that a Nebraska does. That's it. This is our last one. And this one's I just thought it was fun. Okay. It's from our friend Kyle. Wherever Arch Manning decides to go. Look, as I understand it, we're basically looking at Alabama, right? Perhaps Texas, maybe. I doubt it. Maybe, right? We're looking at LSU. We're looking at Ole Miss. 
you know, we're looking at an SEC school. So I, I don't think the Clemson's in the mix on this one, guys. Uh, Georgia, right? But Nick Saban wants Arch Manning. Now, the thing about that is Nick Saban usually gets who Nick Saban wants. I have a really difficult time believing that Lane Kiffin is going to be able to spit better game than Nick Saban. What's really shocking to me is that Tennessee is nowhere near this. That's just, that's preposterous. Like I, just, I would have never thought that Peyton Manning's nephew would not be interested in his alma mater and would be more interested in his other uncle's alma mater. But then again, you know, his granddaddy's also an old Miss legend, and I get all of that. But still, Tennessee not being in here? What are we doing here? Like, if you told me that Archman is going to Tennessee, I would say, yes, Kyle, you're on to something. But as you're telling me right now, I'm like, yeah, wherever he goes. Yeah. Alabama, again, making the playoff. Who knew it was going to be their year as we're talking about all the teams that <laughs> made the college football playoff. Nah, I appreciate the inclusion of that one. And I appreciate Producer Cat for pulling these out. It's a fun segment. I'm glad we get to do it. This is a great topic and I'm glad we picked it thank you for riding with me in my hotel room here in Birmingham we will talk more about the USFL next week and the weeks coming after hopefully we get some really cool guests coming to the show and as always my thanks to producer Kat Catherine Donnelly our director is John Marcus our associate producer is Tyler Wojak our social media manager is Javion Duncan our leader screening is Rachel Cohen, and I'm the host, RJ Young. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe on YouTube, rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you next week. Deuces.